Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Girl, I'm so glad you're here. Misdirected Fear is the title for today's show. The teaching segment was inspired by my reading of today's guest debut book, I Choose Brave. It literally rocked my understanding of what scripture says about fear and set it right. If you or someone you know struggles with anxiety, this is the episode that can help give a needed perspective shift, something we all need during a pandemic. Today's show features an interview with author, blogger, and speaker Katie Westenberg as she shares her journey of choosing brave through the loss of her first daughter by refocusing her fear in the right direction. Take time to download one of the Soul H2O journal pages to help you dive deep into the teaching segment and quench your spiritual thirst. You can find the downloads, teaching segment notes, and information about our guests on today's show notes at soulh2o.com slash 36. And then I'll meet you right back here on Joy Radio. In this episode, we're dealing with fear so you can live bravely. I like to describe fear as the awe of your heart. I want to help you see and understand the foundational truth that fear is not bad. You need to understand and believe this. Sometimes fear is your best friend. Without fear, you could walk aimlessly into a hazardous situation, blind to the dangers around you. God placed the emotion of fear inside of you. So fear is good, but misdirected fear is dangerous because fear's emotional pull doesn't lend itself to cool, thoughtful reflection and often leaves our focus directed to an unhealthy, anxiety-producing outcome. It doesn't seem to matter how many fearless memes I share, mantras I speak, t-shirts I wear, or mugs I drink coffee from. I still struggle with fear when the word fearless is plastered all around me. Literally, everywhere you go, you see signs with the mandate to be fearless. Since 1989, the No Fear logo has been put on everything from highway billboards to doggy clothes, and there's even an energy drink with the name. By the 1990s, no fear became synonymous with the X Games and extreme sports culture. My son used an abundance of no fear stickers on his skateboard, snowboard, school binders, and bedroom. The messages were everywhere. Block fear. Eradicate fear. And then, when you're fearless, then you'll be successful. Then you'll overcome. And then you'll arrive on the winner's podium. So, Why is the eradication of fear from our lives so dang difficult? After all these years of no fear and fearless messages flooding our world, why are we still full of fear? Or is it just me? Why am I often controlled by fear? Seriously, my battle with fear drives me nuts. I understand how Paul felt when he penned Romans seven fifteen and went on this who's on first, what's on second type of confusing monologue. I get how he feels when he said, I don't understand what I do for what I want to do. I don't do, but what I hate, I do. I want to eradicate fear from my thought life, but I just can't seem to do it. Do you ever wonder why in 2020, 
After more than 30 years of the no fear message infiltrating our world, that fear, or what our society likes to call anxiety, has increased in epidemic proportions. Never before has a society been so riddled with fear. My business coach, Haley, always says, data over drama. So I want to present for you an honest look at the numbers and try to see how can we fix this problem with fear and overcome the drama. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. What I'm going to share with you today is the beginning of wisdom I've gained on fear from putting my fear, the awe of my heart, towards God. Helping you to see the downfalls of misdirected fear, I believe it will change your life. You see, the issue with increasing anxiety became evident back in the 1980s. A study released in a psychology journal found that anxiety had been increasing so much by that point that typical school children during the 1980s reported more anxiety than child psychiatric patients did during the 1950s. That's a serious problem, and it's only getting worse. By 2012, findings from the world's most comprehensive study of anxiety and depression published that globally, one out of every 13 people suffer from anxiety. That accounted for just under 1% of the world population. But that percentage has been growing rapidly. And then now, the Canadian Association for Mental Health website says 5%. That's an increase of 4% of Canadians suffer with diagnosed anxiety, yet a poll of 1,500 Canadians in 2018, just two years ago, random group of 1,500 people found 41% of those surveyed identified themselves as someone who struggles with anxiety. The problem is so much greater A third of these people surveyed said that they'd been formally diagnosed with anxiety and a similar proportion had been prescribed antidepressants. That's one third of the people on antidepressants for anxiety. Fear is out of control and all that was before 2020. Add in a pandemic, racial injustice revealed, financial struggles, protests that have turned violent and it's a recipe for fear freakouts. One CBC headline said, pandemic rattled Canadians still cautious about everything. Most Canadians still want to play it safe. The article showed how 59% of Canadians reported being concerned about or afraid of personally contracting COVID-19. That's the highest level of recorded fear since April when Canada was at the peak of its first wave. When new cases of COVID-19 have fallen significantly in Canada, though there has been a small uptick in recent days in some parts of the country. Even the media is recognizing that the fear level is above the situation. More fear with less virus. Hmm. The article talks about how Canadians are fearful of the virus raging next door in the U.S. And then a new American poll revealed how our neighbors to the south, they're all worried too. Nearly half of Americans are anxious about the possibility of getting COVID-19. Almost 40% say coronavirus is having a serious impact on their mental health, and almost half of the nation is in fear. 
North Americans are concerned about the impact on their day-to-day lives, worried the coronavirus will have a serious negative, long-lasting impact on their finances, and many are fearful about running out of food, medicine, and supplies. We all saw that play out in the toilet tissue issue of 2020. It's crazy. These are things that we thought of in third world countries, but not here in North America. Not until 2020. The percentages of fear are so very high in all the studies I read, but according to the Worldometer's website, the actual percentages of COVID-19 cases are affecting such a minuscule percentage of our populations. One third of 1% or 0.33% of Canadians have contracted the virus, while 1.76%, under 2%, of Americans have tested positive. The numbers are higher in the U.S., but they've tested so much more of their population that it's hard to compare. Regardless, it's conservative to say that 99.6% of Canada has not had COVID-19, and more than 98% of the U.S. has stayed COVID-free. I know that you may think half of the U.S. is soon to be gone to the virus, but the data doesn't come anywhere close. Thankfully, the death rates of both Canada and the U.S. are under 0.05 of a percent of our respective populations, and the world average is 0.01 of a percent of the world's 7.8 billion population succumbing to the effects of the virus. I know this sounds contrary to what you've been hearing on the news. So if you want to confirm these numbers, I've put a spreadsheet uh, into the show notes that breaks it all down and shows where the data comes from. So am I saying that COVID-19 is a hoax and you don't need to be concerned at all? No, in no means am I saying that at all. My cousin's mother-in-law had a very weakened immune system and wasn't strong enough to fight the virus. It breaks my heart. My friends and I think that I had COVID-19 in January and February before they did testing in Canada. I was super sick to the point that I didn't record radio shows for over four weeks. The virus is real and it can make you really sick. It even takes lives like flus do. I'm not trying to negate increased flu issues with COVID-19, but I would like to encourage you to put things in perspective. I think we're doing a commendable job in keeping the numbers low. And if everyone keeps using wisdom, washing their hands a lot, using hand sanitizer, quarantining after travel and wearing a mask or shield to protect from catching or spreading the virus, especially if you or loved ones have health risks, then we're going to get through this. Remember the rainbow You can read all about it in Genesis 9 to know that it's God's sign to you that the world isn't going to be wiped out. His reminder to you that he's watching over you. God has good plans for you and for his world. What question I do want you to ask yourself, ask yourself, is the fear proportionate to the actual data of the situation? In reality, By factual data, the leading cause of premature death in Canada is cancer, not COVID. According to the Canadian Cancer Society and the CDC in the U.S., cancer takes away exponentially more lives than from COVID-19. Yet, I don't see the majority of people walking around in fear of cancer, 
nor should they, because worry, stress, and anxiety can bring on a whole host of health issues and diseases. Plus, a really large majority of Canadians and Americans, like a really large majority, who are diagnosed with cancer, survive. So what do you want to focus on? Data or drama? By our focus, we choose to give our fear, the awe of our hearts to COVID, cancer, or a million other possible dangers. And it just isn't logical because the data doesn't support the drama. Taking precautions for COVID? Yes. Eating healthy and limiting chemical use to protect against cancer? Yes. But fear? No. Do you see the difference? One thought process is wisdom and prudence, but the other is fear of a projected negative future that all too often becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's focus, not the facts, that are producing unhealthy fear, even misdirected fear. I want you to question, is the fear proportionate to the actual data of the situation? It's good to ask yourself, I do. In my life, I ask, is fear proportionate to my actual circumstances or am I directing my fear to the wrong place? You often hear people in Christian circles say, the opposite of fear is faith, with kind of the inference that we need to get rid of fear and grab hold of faith. And that's kind of true. But again, this leaves us responsible to fix the problem, to do something to eradicate fear. A goal that I now think is impossible to achieve, having read Katie's book. I think with just a tweak in your understanding, you'll be able to get control of the fear in your life as you stop wasting your energy trying to do the impossible and negate fear, trying to eradicate it from your life, something you can't do, something God doesn't even want you to do. Hebrews 12 verse 28 says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. This verse makes it clear that if we get rid of fear, it will hinder your ability to worship God and receive his unshakable kingdom. And his kingdom sounds a lot better than the COVID crazy fearful world we're experiencing today. It's time to ditch your no fear and fearless paraphernalia. You can't eradicate fear, girl. You don't even want to. But you can redirect your misdirected fear to the right place. Listening to today's interview segment with Katie Westenberg will help set you on the right path to a properly focused fear that lands your gaze on our unshakable, good, loving God. And that will help you to choose brave in the midst of a pandemic of misdirected fear. We are open. We're open. We are 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 open. Curbside, contactless, online, or in person. However you've adapted, let Toronto know you're open for business. Connect with Joy Radio's growing network of GTA Christians today. Learn how at joyradio.ca slash sales. That's joyradio.ca slash sales. 
Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Well, girls, Katie Westenberg is first a follower of Christ, a wife and a mom growing faithfully alongside her four children. She believes boldly in the transformative power of faith in Jesus Christ. As an author and speaker, she teaches women to grow a robust theology of who God is, become students of scripture and learn to live that truth out with courage. She serves a thriving community of women at ichoosebrave.com and makes her home in the lovely Pacific Northwest. Katie, I am so glad to have you on Soul H Roll Radio today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here, Sherry. Katie, I just have to say, I am so loving your book. I can't wait till we get into the discussions of it. I hope that every girl listening to this is going to, you know, go and buy your book. I choose brave, embracing holy courage and understanding godly fear. But first, the girls got to get to know you a little bit. So, you know, where were you born? And, you know, give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, I was born in Washington State. And and here's the, the beginning to end short story. I live about 20 miles from where I was born. So I have traveled the worldwide in, in those 20 miles. And, you know, when I was going through school, I live in a small town with only a handful of stoplights. And I thought I would head for a different coastline, kind of like small town girls often do. Um, but when I left for college, I was still dating my high school sweetheart and God had different plans for my life. And I ended up coming back home and marrying him and settling down here. So it's been um, an adventure that I didn't expect, but better than I could have even planned for sure. Oh, that is such a wonderful story. My, you know, I feel like we have this connection with this online community of women that we both speak into their lives on a regular basis through blogging and now you from books. But, uh, you know, I definitely moved around a lot. So when I hear people have these stories that they kind of grew up in the same town and stayed, I just I love that, you know, sense of hominess that you grew up in. And so I think there's a lot of great things about that. Plus, it's, you know, just a beautiful area of your country to live in. Yeah, the Northwest is really gorgeous. We have, gosh, the beautiful mountains here. We were just climbing one the other day. And I think there is rich history in staying in the same place and having your family be from that place. And there's advantages to both, but I'm really thankful to be planted and still here. Yeah. So how can girls, you know, connect with you? We we mentioned your website and, and how they can get your book. Yeah, I'm active on social media, usually on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the main places I hang out as I, as I choose Brave. And yeah. the book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, Christian Book, basically wherever books are sold. That's good. That's always making it easy for everyone to get a hold of that book. But there's just uh, such a, a deep heritage that you have. And as you know, reading through your book, I understand you grew up in a pastor's home. Yes, yes, I did. I grew up as a pastor's daughter. Yeah, which, you know, really uh, brings a lot of different uh, things to it. And people expect you to know the Bible. When you grow up in the pastor's home, um, they they think that you just have the Bible memorized at times. And so were there ever kind of, you know, struggles being that pastor's kid? You know, my parents actually did a really good job of hedging that for me. And I didn't really feel any of that 
pressure or expectation because I think they, they did a great job parenting that. And I didn't even realize that until I was older, that the expectations that can be placed on you. Um, so I, I didn't grow up, thankfully, or in my um, early adult years, I didn't have any angst toward the, the church. And so um, I just really appreciate the church and appreciate the opportunity to be connected. But there's also definitely a level of comfortability that kind of pushes us sometimes into casual Christianity. Like I'm already getting in. I have a free pass because my dad's a pastor or, you know, just becoming <laughs> comfortable with the scriptures that and taking it for granted. So there definitely becomes a reckoning point where I think I need to own this for myself. Yeah. But, you know, I can see that there is this deep heritage in you that I, I think sometimes when you talk to pastors, kids that have grown up in a, in a healthy experience like you have, there is really, um, you know, such a rich understanding of God, of his word. And a lot of times, you know, you think of some of the big speakers, the big uh, Christian pastors that have, you know, second generation They're If they've, you know, experienced that really good, healthy experience and sometimes not always, but, you know, there is this uh, kind of an imparting that happens through what you grew up in that gets, you know, imparted to you in your ministry. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I think that is grace to all of us who are storing away the word because the Bible says the word will not return void. So I'm sure when my mom was teaching me scriptures when I was young, when I was learning them in Sunday school, it felt like they were in one ear and out the other. But it's amazing today mm -hmm. as I read over scriptures, they just brought to remembrance in my mind. I think I know that. And that was planted decades ago, but that word does not return void. So definitely that history starts to show up and the fruit is is bared years and years down the road. So it's a good reminder for me as a mom now to think, keep on planting. I might not see the fruit today, but I am planting a heritage that they will enjoy the fruit of many years later. I love that. That's such an encouragement to the moms that are listening that, you know, they can just trust that those, <laughs> those seeds being planted are going to grow good fruit one day. And mm -hmm. so, Amen. so you grew up in this really good soil. Um, and then God just gave you an idea to start this I Choose Brave blog. And so maybe tell the listening audience that might not know about your, your group, uh, your community online that you started and how that came to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really by his grace, as, as all of the fruit in our life is. Um, you know, I, I always like to write. I, I mentioned somewhere else that I won a essay contest when I was in second grade. So that maybe that was the beginning of it all. I don't know. But a lot of times we don't recognize our own gifts because they come natural and they're easy for us. So we don't think of that as something that God has really gifted us for, or we don't have the courage to use them. So really starting the blog was a just a small, brave step for me. I actually had a friend tell me when I started, I think this is going to require you to be brave even more than you're going to be able to encourage someone else to be brave. And that is so true. And so yeah. I started putting that out there, but I still had these four relatively small children at home. And that is my primary focus of ministry for the time being. And so I thought maybe I will just do this faithfully right when I can. And then when they're older, when they're grown and um, leaving home, then maybe this could be become more of a ministry or something I can focus on a little more intently. But again, God had different plans and he just opened doors. And I carefully prayed through each one of them and prayed with my husband. And, and we stepped through the doors that we thought he was asking us to go through. And, and it all landed up here, I guess. So you've been blogging for how long? For about five years now. 
five years in this building community of helping girls to be brave. And I think you're right when you say that it was going to be, you had to become brave. And I think in anything that God uses us in, it's always, he's got to do it in us first so that we can pass it along to someone because we just, we can't pass along what we don't have. Absolutely. We're always, even as leaders, we're learning as we go. He's growing us. And I see that so much as a parent, like he's teaching me as a mom, I do not have it all figured out. And I'm relying on his grace and the sanctification process as much as anyone, as I'm still teaching these kids. So it's really just that process lived out on a different level. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you're blogging and the community builds and how, you know, you start to see those regular readers and you start to build this relationship with people um, that that is an online relationship, you know, where you're getting to know them. And, and it's amazing to me how people will share with you things that I think sometimes they can't share with the people around you. And so, you know, I'm just wondering, like, are there stories of how girls have, you know, chosen Brave as they've been reading your blogs? Yeah, yeah. That is really interesting. We like to sometimes hate on technology and and, and hate on these online connections, but I think it's beautiful fruit in this season, particularly now when the world has shut down to a certain extent. These connections are realer than ever. And when we can't meet face to face, it it is amazing to hear stories. So one in particular is early on when I was blogging, I uh, sent out an email to my readers that said, tell me what you're struggling with right now. And I did not expect the response I got and it completely overwhelmed me. It was right at the holiday season and I had I don't know, a couple hundred emails come in over a few days of people just being raw and honest about their story and and being overwhelmed. I thought, Lord, how can I even process this? How can I even respond to them? People are sharing big and heavy parts of their heart with me. And and I don't even have time to send an email back because I'm still I still got to cook dinner. Right. You know, this is just a part of my real life, too. And so I put it aside and I kind of got overwhelmed and I respond to a few and just thought, I'm going to shelve this. I can't even respond to all these right now. Well, after the first of the year, I thought you know, I felt bad about people who had been so honest and sharing their stories. And so I thought I will just respond to a couple a day now. And it had been a couple months and these emails came in and I'm just going to just respond. And every single email was starting with, I'm sorry, I'm so slow at responding to you, but I've been praying for you. And one woman responded right away and she said, your email isn't late. It's right on time because today I had a miscarriage and I needed the hope and I needed the prayer on this very day. And it's just evidence that he's hemming it in behind him before he knows where we are. He knows what I have on my plate and exactly what that reader needs to. So it just really um, made me trust him further for every step of the process. I love that. Hearing these incredible stories, you know, that God can uh, work in people's lives that we've never met and probably mm-hmm. will never meet until heaven <laughs> and how he yeah. can so make, a, you know, a timely blog post, a, a timely email, and that it's just an incredible thing to be able to use technology in a good way. And I agree with you. If we didn't have Zoom or, you know, radio and TV during COVID-19, I I can't imagine, you know, the depths of despair that people would have gone into. And I think being able to stay connected through technology 
technology has really, you know, softened the blow of this. And and I'm sure that there's countless stories like this woman that you have shared just a bit of her story with. And I, I am so looking forward to hearing more of your story as we come back after the break and we hear about your book, I Choose Brave, and how God is using it to absolutely change people's understanding of fear so that we can choose brave in an easier, easier way. Absolutely. I'm excited to share it with you, Sherry. I'm Katie Westenberg, and my music pick for Soul H2O Radio is No Longer Slaves by Bethel Music. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me. We are open. We're open. We are 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 open. Curbside, contactless, online, or in person. However you've adapted, let Toronto know you're open for business. Connect with Joy Radio's growing network of GTA Christians today. Learn how at joyradio.ca slash sales. That's joyradio.ca slash sales. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. So by this point, you know that the Bible study tool and tip segment is happening and that I'm getting the guest to share with us something that uh, he or she does. In this case, it's Katie Westenberg, how she, uh, you know, really gets the most out of her Bible study. What do you have to share with us, Katie? Okay. This is kind of a broad generalized tip, but my, my best tip is really just to mix it up. I think sometimes we become formed to one right way to study the Bible. And I've kind of done that over the years. I, I need to do it this way. This is the right way, or this is the way someone taught me to do it. But I really think mixing it up and being patient with ourselves in different seasons of life is huge for that perseverance to keep on going because things change. Our job change, our, our jobs change, our sleeping ch- schedules change. We have kids. There's different pressures on our life that mix up how much time we have. So rather than having it be like a stop and go, I can do this now, or I can't do this now, we can switch how we study in season. So maybe sometimes that's just reading one psalm. I can I can meditate on this psalm. I can pray these words back to him. And that can be the time I have. Or sometimes it's a deeper inductive study where I'm pulling out the Greek and Hebrew roots, but I'm having grace for wherever I am and knowing that he can meet me in that if my heart is to meet him there. I love that, Katie. It takes off the pressure and like the monotony of, you know, doing the same thing over and over. And depending on different personalities, maybe some people actually like that. I'm personally not like that. I'm like you. I want to mix it up. And I think that is really freeing to to think, you know, how can because relationships get in a rut and our relationship Mm -hmm. with God can get in a rut. And so Mm -hmm. changing it up, I think you're right, is the best way to bring freshness into your relationship with God. So um, you are a woman of the word. And uh, I'm just wondering if there's a Bible verse that is a favorite life verse or something that's really, you know, encouraging you these days. 
Yeah, I've, I've been studying for several months since the beginning of the year. I've been studying Hebrews and just really going deep there. And there's a scripture that jumped off the page for me recently, and I've known it for years. But sometimes when you go back into it, this is the living and active word that just becomes fresh. And really, it's Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. And I'm reading this in the ESV. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, some translations say fear, for our God is a consuming fire. When I talked earlier about just the comfortable Christianity that we kind of get used to when we've been here for a long time, we get this casual relationship with the Lord. And I want to remember that our God is a consuming fire and we have a kingdom in this world. Everything feels like it's being shaken, but we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So that is truth Mm -hmm. I'm just really resting on in this season. I love it. That totally segues into discussing your book, I Choose Brave, that was, you know, is it out and on, you know, shelves for people to purchase yet? It is. I actually stopped by a brick and mortar Barnes and Noble store the other day and found it on the shelf, which was really fun. That is really fun. Definitely an amazing time where you want to get some social media pics there, but uh, an encouraging (laughs) time. But, you know, this verse in Hebrews 12 that talks about the reverence and awe, as some tr- Bibles translate it, different translations, and, and others do translate it as fear. And your book mm-hmm. talks so much about the fear of God. And I have mm-hmm. to say, as a girl who's grown up going to church since I was like four or five years old and studying the Bible, gone to Bible college, the times that I've read in the Bible, where it says about the fear of God, I really didn't understand it. And I, it was just one of those concepts I didn't get. And, you know, there's different ones that I read in the Bible and I'm like, I'm not quite sure what I understand about that yet. So I'm going to put that on the back burner. And I know at some point God's going to bring revelation and over and over he does. And your book has helped me to understand the fear of God in such powerful ways. And it's just amazing to me, um, this insight that you have about godly fear. And so I'm wondering, how did this happen? How did all of a sudden, you know, God download this insight to you about godly fear? Yeah, sure. I think it really has just begun with a question. I love how you have seen that in scripture and really trusted him for answers in the future. I'm not sure I've always done that. Sometimes I just think, mm, yeah, I kind of know what that means and, and just read a little faster past it. And and really, when I started reading the Bible cover to cover in a year and just kind of challenged myself to do that, I realized how frequently the fear of the Lord is mentioned. And I think we talk about a lot because it is familiar. We talk about what we are to not fear. Do not fear. We say the Bible says that 365 times. I've heard that so many times. I have not counted them, but I've heard that over and over again. But as I began to take in the scripture at a more rapid pace, I realized how many times we are commanded who we are to fear. And I started to ask that question, like, why do we not talk about this? Why do I not know more about this? What actually does it mean? And so then I just dug deeper into the Greek and Hebrew roots. What does this mean to fear the Lord? How does this look different from our call and what we're not to fear? So it's not anything new. It's just a newer take. It's things I don't want to skip over. If I believe that the word is living and active, I want it to be living and active now. I want to know what he has to say about what we are not to fear and who we are to fear right here and right now. 
So just just a question in my mind and unpacking it through the word. That's so good. And that's a great example for people to listen to what you just said and and to do that in your own practice, to just really dig in sometimes and say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? And I think whenever he highlights something, he wants us to get it. Whenever we have those deep questions, and it was one of those that, you know, I would go into a little bit, but didn't fully understand. I understand that a lot of times fear is meaning like we need to be in awe of God and and to you know, uh, to really reverence him. But in your book, you know, we, our culture is inundated with t-shirts that say fearless. (laughs) And we're told (laughs) as Christians to be fearless. And Mm -hmm. it's such a difficult thing. And, And with my girls, I actually, I didn't keep the word ever when I did things, you know, fear less as much as possible. I would put uh, fear hyphen less. So, uh, you know, mm. they take the press off, pressure off to be completely fearless because I just mm-hmm. I can't get there. So to expect the girls that are listening to be completely fearless seems ridiculous Yet we say it all the time. And, and the Bible does teach us to not fear certain things. But the new understanding that I got from your book about how God does want us to fear him and this this replacing. Maybe if you can explain that to the girls. Yeah, it really becomes a shift from the horizontal to the vertical. Because if we are called to fear him in scripture, then I'm not going to be fearless ever, right? I'm going to take my eyes off of what's in front of me. So that's the horizontal. What what other people might be thinking about me? What happens if I fail? What happens if I'm not enough? And I'm going to point my eyes on Christ and what he says in his word. And when I do that, when we know, like, as we discussed in Hebrews, that he is a consuming fire. When we see in scripture that these great and courageous men, we talk about Moses in the book and Joshua and Isaiah, they meet the the angel of the Lord or they meet him at the burning bush and they are down on their face in fear. I start to wonder, do I even know that kind of God? Like, who is he? So it really becomes that when we, when we see scary things in front of us, fear is real. So I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to pretend it away or think this is just in my head or um, just bootstrap my own brave. But instead, I'm going to turn my eyes on the one who the scripture says is the only one worth fearing. So just, just a change of a direction, a reorientation of our fear rather than an idea that we can actually be fearless. I love what you just said, that you don't have to bootstrap your own brave. And I think too often we get in the the cycle of trying to do exactly that, that we have to be strong enough, that we have to have what it takes to get through. And sometimes this focus on not fearing, you know, <laughs> there's t-shirts everywhere, no fear, Um, it's really out of balance. And I never thought about that until your book. And then on, on page 66 of your book, you ask the readers, what do we fear more than God? And I highlighted that line in the book. It it struck me. And I was like, oh, that's the problem where fear gets misplaced. Exactly. And we talk about that, that fear is always directional. It's always pointing towards something. So that becomes the question, what is your fear pointing toward? If I am just really concerned about my job in this economy and just worried that there won't be enough money to pay the bills or money to cover whatever it is that needs to be covered, 
then what is my source of security? What is that fear pointing toward? You know, even as I began to launch this book, this is my first book. So this is so much new ground for me. And about a month before launch, I started to feel just like this nervous ball in my stomach. And I'm sure everyone has felt that. I I tend not to be a super nervous person. So this was kind of new for me. And I was talking to a friend on the phone and I said, you know, is this how it's going to be for the next couple months? Am I always just going to feel this nervousness in my stomach? And she called me out. This is why we need good friends. She called me out and said, I want you to ask yourself what you're believing to be true about God in this moment, which is the same thing I'm asking in this book. But sometimes we just need a friend to call us on the carpet and remind us, what am I believing to be true about God? That he might fail me, that I might not do this well, that there might not be enough of what time or energy or who knows what. So that that's what this reorientation of our fear is, is just realigning it with truth of who God is. And do I believe it or do I not? What is my fear pointing toward? I love that. And in this same section of the book where that question came out, um, you talk about reading Jen Wilkins' book, uh, None Like Him, and you you talk about this creator complex and how when we put our fear on something else, we're really putting it above God. And I, it was like a big ouch moment when I read (laughs) things that you wrote here, because I would never think, oh, well, I'm putting this above, you know, God's power in my mind, or I wouldn't say it out loud, but in actuality, (laughs) that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And we feel this, you know, I feel this most acutely as a mom because I want so much to provide good for my kids. I want um, to provide for their well-being. I want them to be safe. And then when you turn that around, I look at that's pointing all back to me. I'm either going to open my hands and surrender them to the Lord, or it's just going to be more, more of me. I, and I do, they don't need more of me. <laughs> you know, when I, when I see what yeah. what God can do and what he has done, when I look at his faithfulness throughout scripture, do I want to give my kids more of me or do I want to trust them to him? It's, it's, um, it's funny how we can make that turn in our heads, but we have to relate that back to truth of who he is and who I am here. And it's a humbling thing to do for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of the book talks about um, choosing a different type of brave, like a holy courage. And can you explain just a little bit? I know they need your book to really get it, but just a little snippet for the girls to want to get it and understand, you know, that pressure off about you having to make it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think courage sells well. We see we see it in all of marketing, this idea of confidence. We talk about early in the book, the memes of, you know, just tighten your ponytail and carry on, girl. We see it in lipstick ads, anything. They're selling confidence. They're selling courage because we're attracted to it. But when we reach the limits of ourselves, and that's why I share my personal story throughout the book, a time where I really reached the limits of my own courage, and we all get there in different seasons. Our suffering might look different, but in the end, it's all the same. There are limits to our courage. So the book addresses what does a biblical foundation for bravery, for courage look like? What does it look like to live with a holy courage that honors the Lord, that is built off the truth of he, who he is? If, if the word is the truth and the foundation for our lives, then I want my courage to flow through that, to flow through him rather than another lipstick ad. Hmm. We we talked in the beginning of the first segment of your interview and about how you grew up in this Christian home and it was really a healthy and good um, place to grow up and, and, you know, produce this good soil to grow healthy in your life. But even when someone has this really good childhood, 
it doesn't leave you, you know, protected from any of life's difficulties. And in your book, you you share so candidly, so honestly, from the heart of a mom who has experienced the worst of what us moms would ever want to experience. You went through a high-risk pregnancy and then ultimately the stillbirth of your first daughter. And, you know, I just see you've had to put this all in practice in a very real way. Yeah, I have. And, you know, it's a learning process. We learn through what we go through. And sometimes that happens while we're in it. And sometimes it happens later as we reflect. God has so much to teach us in those seasons of suffering. So when we thread memoir throughout this book, it is not a story of my perfect faith through it. It's my struggles of asking God why and how, and can I pray this to happen like I want it to happen? Or is that just me trying to control God? And, you know, the story itself might be unique, but again, we are all promised hard seasons. This is how it goes for us. And I saw that most uniquely when I was speaking before the pandemic um, to a group of women and a woman came up to me afterwards and she said, I get exactly what you are talking about. My husband passed away from cancer last year, but I haven't had a husband that passed away from cancer. So it's just how God uses our stories to connect with one another. Seasons of suffering are very similar, even if our stories are very unique. Actually, last week's teaching segment was, uh, or a couple weeks ago, was on comfort and how God comforts us in our struggles and then we're to comfort others. And the Bible even Mm -hmm. says that we don't even have to be going through the same problems that others are going through. It's like once you've experienced brokenness, you see it in others, you can help others through it. You know, our situations aren't ever going to be the exact same. There's none of us that have carbon copies, but, you know, having gone through miscarriages, I, I so related to what was in your book and hearing it. And I loved the, the dedication page to your daughter, Allison. And I, I think it was just so powerful that you took the time to recognize her life and her life so affected you. And it, it's, you know, so much on the pages of this book. And I think as a mom who's experienced the, the loss of, of, you know, of, of your baby, It's just so powerful to see how God can even take that life that would seem to have been taken away that he Mm -hmm. could powerfully use Allison's life. Mm -hmm. You know, and it it takes courage to offer that. There was a time when I didn't want to write this story because, because it's private, because it's personal, because I didn't want this to be my life story, but really living through it and processing it with the Lord, learning through it. I realize so much that our stories are not our own. They are the conduit of God's goodness, of his comfort to others, like you just said. So am I willing to open my hands and offer it to him, to surrender it to him? Or do I want to hold on tightly? Do I want to stuff it away in the quiet places of my heart, either pretending it didn't happen or thinking it's just for me? And I don't want to do that. I want to be brave enough to say, this is it. Look what God's done here. I'm learning from this. I learned through this. And if that can give hope to someone else, I absolutely want to be willing to share it. Katie, I know your book is going to do exactly that uh, for the women who are going to pick it up and read it. 
they're going to learn to really put their fear to God, give it, cast it on to him and, and to be brave and to take courage, that holy courage that you talk about. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your story in the book and with us today. And just, you know, uh, one last question. So, you know, what is your prayer for these women who will pick up the book? I've thought of this book as just taking a walk with a friend. Just come and notice with me. Let's dust this off together and see what we may have looked over or neglected in the past. And let's take a look at it. And sometimes when we go through different things in life, say say you're pregnant, for example, all of a sudden you start to notice pregnant women everywhere. And you don't know, did they mm-hmm. exist before? Or are they just catching my attention now? And I want it to be that way with the fear of the Lord. When we turn our eyes there, I feel like scripture starts jumping off the page. Oh, wait, this isn't just an Old Testament thing. Oh, wait, this isn't just in Exodus or what have you. This is threaded throughout scripture and God wants us to know it. So I just pray that the Holy Spirit would use my word simply as conduit, just a humble offering that he could make that scripture jump off the page and alive and active in the women that read the book. And girls, this is not going to make you be afraid of God in any way. Um, It is going to make you love God on an even deeper level and understand his love towards you on such a deeper level. So Katie, it's just been a wonderful time talking with you. And I want to thank you so much for being on Soul H Radio. Oh, it's been great to be here, Sherry. Thank you for the work you do here. Thanks for listening to episode 36. Remember to check out today's show notes for deeper insights and links to Katie Westenberg's book. Come back next week for episode 37 for a listen down memory lane on Labor Day weekend to help you cruise on to the cottage and help us start the Soul H2O anniversary celebrations taking place over the next few weeks. We appreciate your support to help Soul H2O Ministries continue and want to thank all of you who partner with us in making this Joy Radio show a reality so people can come and get refreshed. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O Podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world.